Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. This is going to be the last in our series called Kings and Priests or Priests and Kings, whichever you would prefer. Um, and so I'm really excited about kind of wrapping this up and, um, and I'm excited about the revelation that the Lord has given us. Um, how many of you have been here for the, the whole uh, part of the series? So uh, really like 30% of you. So um, I'm going to do a little bit of a review, um, hopefully to catch the rest of you up. And I'm going to go pretty fast because, um, you know, I just want to be um, faithful with your time. Um, so let me just pray. Well, Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would release a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Father, I thank you that we are in the time and the hour of your visitation. God, I pray that you would give all of us that Issachar Kairos um, eyes to see um, what the Spirit is saying to your people in this hour, Father, so that we can grab hold of it and we can run with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So again, uh, this message is a revelatory message, meaning it's a, it's a, it is very prophetic in nature. Um, when the Lord began to download this to me, of course, my question was, um, why are you talking to me about um, an Old Testament guy and an Old Testament temple. And so I just want to review very quickly what he said. And if you have your notes, um, I encourage you to take notes. Um, of course, uh, uh, of course, all of you brought your Bibles, right? Like good students on your phone. Okay. So remember that the first thing he said, the audible voice of the Lord said, rebuild my temple, right? Um, if if you did not get to, to um, if you haven't seen the other three, how many did I write down? Four? The other four Facebooks, I encourage you to go and to get them. Each one of them is just jam-packed with revelation and, um, and a lot of biblical meat. Um, the second thing that the Lord did, and this was all in a very short period of time, is he gave me a vision of 9-11, which happened, um, uh, the vision was two years before 9-11. I saw the whole thing. It, it opened up uh, like, a, like a movie screen, except it was three-dimensional. Kind of weird, but anyway, it happened. And um, But he said, um, first of all, he told me it was a, it, it, he told me it was a date. He gave me 9-11. Well, uh, what he has shown me is that this is symbolic for Amos 9-11 and also Hebrews 9-11. And I will read those to you. Amos 9-11. On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins, and I will rebuild it as in the days of old. So again, the Lord is saying, rebuild my temple. And then again, in Hebrews 9-11, um, uh, the Bible says, But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. So when the Lord is saying, rebuild my temple, he's actually not looking for a physical building. He's actually talking about his people that will re be rebuilt at the end of the age, and they will be filled with his glory. So that's really good news for us because I don't know about you, but uh, the more glory I get, the happier I am. And the happier everybody around me is, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. All right. The third thing that he said is he told me, I asked him why 9-11 was going to happen. And he said, it's about Babylon. Okay. Babylon, we already covered this. Baby Lon. Um, we already covered this. Babylon means what? How many of you were paying attention? Confusion. All right. Babylon means confusion. It's all about the head. Renewing the mind. Okay, so it's about Babylon. Uh, then he went on to tell me, number four, you're having Zerubbabel's baby. Now, all of this sounds like, what in the world is happening right now? All right? But all of this is connected. So what he's doing is line upon line, he's trying to tell a story. So he's building a story not for me, but he's building a story for the body of Christ to grab hold of so that when you do, you can run. And all of this is not about what you're called to do, but it's who you're called to be. And that's why it's so important that we understand what the Spirit is saying right now. Um, the fifth thing that he told me um, is he said, you're the house of Zerubbabel, governmental authority. So again, every time he would tell me these things, as you've heard me say, um, I answer him and say, what? <laughs> I mean, really, if the Lord said to you, you're the house's rural governmental authority, what would you do? You'd be like, uh, okay, I have no idea what that means. And so, honestly, it has taken me, I have meditated line upon line, word upon word, the hermeneutics of the book of Ezra, Zechariah, Haggai, the book of Hebrews, the book of Revelation, and it's all unfolded to tell a story about the last day bride and the things that the Lord is looking to do in and through us. And so he's unfolding, you know, in the book of in, in, in the book of Daniel, he said, Daniel, there is a book that I'm going to show you. And in Revelation chapter 10, there is a book, there is a little book, but seal it up for now because it's not for this generation, but it is for the last generation. And there's not going to be another book, but I'm telling you that God is is unveiling revelation that's been here all along but it's so that we can become what he's called us to become does that make sense and so when when he starts to tell a story and along with this there were he released two angels to talk to prophets that said the plumb line is now in the hand of Zerubbabel a plumb line is a building instrument it is what builds your house and so when he says the plumb line is, is falling and then Jesus himself came and appeared to another well-known national prophet and he said the same thing, wake up, the plumb line is in the hand of Zerubbabel. So you know when these things begin to happen that God is building something. You guys know what a plumb line is, right? Okay, who doesn't know what a plumb line is? Talk to Matthew. All right, I'll tell you what <laughs> So a plumb line is actually a weighted, it's a weight, and it's shaped like a triangle. 
and at the top of the triangle, there's a hole in it, and you put a string on it. And, and what they used to do in the ancient of days is the way that they would build and find the true north and, and the measurement so that the building was level is they would they would take a plumb line and they would put it like on a like on a tripod and they would hang it and that would create the true north. And then they would measure the the foundation and the walls against the plumb line so that everything measured the same. Does that make sense? So it's like the center of a circle, like pi, it's like the center of a circle, you find that and then you measure, okay, it's geometry. Anyway, um, you get it, right? So you use it to build. That's what, in fact, they used that to build in America, like a hundred years ago, up to a hundred years ago. So for the last, so as long as America has been around, except for the last hundred years, they use plumb lines. And a lot of the buildings in New York still have that anchor or the plumb line that they built around and it's still in the center of the buildings. So that's what a plumb line is. But but for our sake, and the, the Lord, when the Lord uses the word plumb line throughout the Bible, he's talking about the truth. And so what happens is that in this generation, the plumb line is falling and has fallen. And, and so what's happening is that once the plumb line, the word of God falls, the revelatory word of God falls into a generation, it will measure things. So it's going to measure in each one of you what isn't true. And it will begin to tear down the things within you that do not line up with the word. Which is why a lot of you have been going through so much warfare. Because the plumb line is now in this generation. Therefore, it's kicking out everything that doesn't line up with the word. And so, you know, you're thinking, oh, man, it's bad. Well, no, it's good. you got to just say, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in my heart. Lord, show me if there's anything in me that needs to go and get into alignment with what he's doing. Amen? Amen. All right, so um, where am I? All right, so in the book of Zechariah and Haggai, they prophesied about several elements that this temple would have. Now, who's the temple? We are. Here. You are. Is the temple a building? No. no. Okay. So the book of um, Haggai and Zechariah. So the Lord sent these two prophets um, to uh, talk to Zerubbabel and to tell him about the rebuilding of the temple. Now, everything that was said to Zechariah and um, to Haggai from the Lord about Zerubbabel's temple did not happen in Zerubbabel's temple. Okay? That's how we know that what they were doing is they were prophesying of a temple not made with human hands. They were prophesying to what? Remember last time we were talking about the laying of the foundation and the capstone generation. Those two would have this level of power and authority um, that they walked in, and they would walk in this um, this truth. So here were the elements that you guys get to walk in, okay? Number one, the gold is going to be poured out. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. So a lot of you, here's the thing about, about suffering. 
The beauty of suffering is that it refines you. It refines the temple and it gets out all the dross, the greed, all of the things that can't steward God's money. All of the ways that, see, because God is looking to, to um, he's looking to bring in a harvest. And the, the harvest at the end of the age is going to be the greatest harvest that the world has ever seen. We're talking about billions of souls coming into the kingdom in a very short period of time. Therefore, we're going to need millionaires and billionaires to give us their money so that the nets don't break. Right? Okay, so every time there's been an exodus, remember I told you guys this in one of the Facebooks. I don't remember which one, but watch them all. But whenever there's been an exodus, there's been an outpouring of gold. There's been an outpouring. They're just like, take our stuff, take our stuff. And it made absolutely no sense. It doesn't matter who's in office. This is not a, this is not a Trump economy thing. This is not an Obama economy thing. It does not matter. God will have his way and he will pay for these things. And when there's an exodus, and you know if there's a rebuilt temple, we know there's a rebuilt temple happening right now, There is, and there's, which means there's an exodus. You are coming out of confusion. That's what's happening. I'm talking to you. I'm giving you fresh manna from heaven. When you eat bread that's on fire and bread that's hot, it's a lot better than bread that's stale. Amen? Amen. So it, it's a, and then the butter just melts on top. It's just so good. It melts in your mouth. It becomes part of your body, part of your DNA. All right. So the gold. The second thing that he said is the glory. So the glory, and he said that the glory in the latter temple would be greater than the former. Therefore, the glory in the last generation of his church, his governing people, will be greater than it was with the apostles. People get ready. Jesus is coming. Okay? So the next thing that we see in uh, the book of Zechariah 3 is we see, can you guys see this? Legislative authority. Sorry, I'm getting to the bottom of my... So the next thing is legislative authority. Okay, let's review really quick about the church. Now, uh, the church is only mentioned um, a couple of times by Jesus, okay? He talks about the church. All right, but, but what does he really talk about? The kingdom. So he's talking about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Now, what is the kingdom? The kingdom is a, is a different government that he wants to bring to the earth. But it's in heaven, okay? The kingdom is in heaven, okay? Where is heaven? It's on the inside of you, right? So, so you operate as an ambassador in that kingdom, or, in other words, a representative of that kingdom. So the church, that word church, actually means ecclesia, right? Ecclesia means a governing body of people that go into an area to influence that area so that it looks like the, the, the kingdom that it represents. Right. Okay? So when Paul addresses the churches... He in Philippi and in Rome and in 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 um, Ephesus. What he's doing is he's saying, "I am talking to my legislative people. I am talking to my governing people. Listen to what I'm saying to you. 
you're the ones that I have left in charge. I already did everything at the cross. I've now taken the keys from the devil, from Satan, and I'm giving it now to you so that you can rule and reign and take dominion as my legislative body in the earth. Now that's a pretty big deal. Most of the church doesn't talk about this though. They talk about getting saved and when you die you'll go to heaven. But I'm telling you, heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Meaning it's here. When Jesus was on the earth, he was like, kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's actually in me. Now, I'm going to pray for you. Remember when he prayed for the disciples and he said, I'm going to send you out by twos and I'm going to pray for you and, and my authority is going to come upon you. In other words, my governmental authority now is going to be operating in you. And so whatever you say and whatever you do, you're going to have the full backing of the kingdom of heaven. Come on. All right. The next thing, um, I think I've already talked about this, but the next thing is that he was going to, he was going to show up in two generations, um, and it talks about the foundation and the capstone. Um, so those two generations, uh, Matthew, how many flip? So the the um, the capstone, which uh, is the last generation which is in Zechariah 4, and then the uh, first generation, which was the foundation. All right, the next thing, um, E, he was talking about an anointing that would be on, and he called us, he called them sons of oil. Okay, and the sons of oil were the priest and the king. Okay, so the anointing flows when you, when you begin to operate in these two branches of God's government. Now, when you talk about governmental authority, you know when you talk about governmental authority in America, right? How many branches of government do we have? Three. Three. What are they? All right. Executive. Very good. Executive. Judicial and legislative. All right, so what happens is each one of those, it operates to form the American government, right? Each one of them, though, has different roles. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, you don't see, well, sometimes they get a little confused and try to take over each, each other's roles, but um, basically, you, you, you get the point. So in, in God's kingdom, his government operates through these two branches and if you only operate in one of them, it's like trying to run a race with one leg tied behind your back. Have you ever, you can't go very far, you can't get very far. And so it, the only way that this works and the only way that the anointing and the oil flows is if you're operating in both. I've seen people, and I'm just telling you, it's just heartbreaking. I've seen people that are in the prayer movement, and they're like, prayer, prayer, prayer is the only thing. And I've seen people who are over here that are evangelists, and they're like, you know, get going to get the harvest, going to get the harvest, signs and wonders, it's the only thing. And, and, and you know, they're, they're actually both right, but it takes both. It takes both the priest and the king. 
and you have to be both. So you can't assign this to somebody else. You can't say, oh, I tell you what, you pray, and then I'm going to go out and do the works, you know, the fun stuff. I'm going to go heal the sick and cast out demons and whatever. No, 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 no. And you're like, well, I'm not called to the church. I'm called to business. Let me tell you what. I don't care what mountain you're called to. You are a priest and a king. That has to be settled in your heart right now because you will not be able to conquer that mountain unless you have this anointing and you're oily. You gotta be oily. You know how you're like, oh God, oh God, I need breakthrough. He's like, yeah, I died on the cross. I already gave you everything you need. You just gotta come get filled up with oil because it's the oil that's gonna open that creaky, uh, creaky, cracky door. You know, you're like, but the door won't open and I did not break through. They're not. He's like, oh, okay, let me just help you help yourself because Lord sent an angel. This is the key to your breakthrough. This is the key to a life of abundance. This is the key of a thousandfold, say a thousandfold, thousand multiplication. I have seen it. I'm telling you, we can get things out of heaven. It's all available. So let's say, for example, Bethany, the Lord wrote Bethany's story before she was born. She was born with DNA, and on that DNA, her story is written. Which is why she has a desire and a propensity towards a sound, towards music. So, so because that's what God created her to do, right? This girl would worship in a closet on a guitar with one string, if it got down to that. Because it's how she's made, right? You know, I mean, for me, I'm a visionary. I'm a builder. I have to build things, you know? And so each one of us has our own story. Well, here's the thing. You cannot get to your story and the resources you need in order to fulfill your story unless you know about government. You got to know about government. Okay, maybe not. All right, so the priest and the king would rule and reign. That's out of Revelation 5. Now, um, the new priesthood, uh, turn in your Bibles to uh, Hebrews chapter 6. Because um, uh, Jesus came and he said, okay, I'm going to tell you about this new priesthood. And from this point forward, I am going to talk about the new priesthood. Hebrews, towards the end, I don't have my glasses on. Hebrews chapter 6, verse, um, let's start in, in verse 19. All right, so he goes in and he starts talking about the, the uh, this this new order. Um, there, so there is a new order of priesthood. Now, this is the priesthood of Jesus, and he talks about this new order. Now, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about being a forerunner or whatever, but the only place in the Bible where it, they talk about being a forerunner is actually right here. And he's talking about the new priesthood that you're supposed to be. Now, if you are the church, and I just appreciate the fact I praise God for this building, that we have some place to go and be in community. But the truth is, is I'm looking at the church. The, the church is not a building. It is not a building. It's where the church goes in order to 
be in community and sharpen one another and to prophesy and to encourage one another and for, for fresh revelatory teaching so that we can continue to do the work of the ministry outside of this room. So that we can worship and, and we can get our healing and we can train disciples, okay? So thank God for, for the building, but the building is not the church. The people in it are the church. All right, so in verse 19, this is what um, the writer of Hebrews is saying. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, most sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. So so this is what this is who's going to enter the presence behind the veil. Ready? He says, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And so he's saying, listen, Jesus was a forerunner. And what he did is he stepped in as the high priest. He has now come to replace the high priest. And so now he's done it so that we can now enter in. Because somebody that is a forerunner, they forerun for you. So that you can become and you can follow them into the place that they've done. And you can follow, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so he's saying, listen, I'm now the forerunner. Follow me. So you are supposed to be in this same order of Melchizedek. And so it's such a weird thing that he would bring this up because you're like, who is this guy? Who is this Melchizedek guy? It's this weird guy that is actually only mentioned in two other places in the Bible. He showed up in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis 14 to Abraham. Okay? Came out of nowhere. Bam, there you are. Melchizedek, weird. He was actually, okay, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm not going to camp out here but you're just going to have to take my word for it and then research it on your own. But he was what we call a pre-incarnate Christ. So what a pre-incarnate Christ is, is where Jesus shows up in the Old Testament and he hangs out and he's like, hey, I look like a different dude. Now, he's done that before. Remember in the New Testament when he came back and, and the, uh, the guys on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize him? So be careful about people you're entertaining it could be an angel or lo and behold it could be the lord <laughs> okay um all right high priest forever let's start in um chapter 7 verse 1 for this melchizedek king of salem say king of salem, king of salem. and priest of the most high god so what is he king of he's a king and a priest who met abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him to whom all, also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. All right, stop there. So anyway, obviously this is the Lord that appeared as Melchizedek, and he's actually serving and brought, what did he bring? He brought bread and he brought wine to Abraham. So he brought himself, the body and the blood, to Abraham, which shifted Abraham into the very thing that he was asking for, which was the fulfillment of the promise. Okay? Now, why is this important to you? 
Because again, if we go back to identity of this generation, we have to break off all that religion and all those religious and tradition activities because once you begin to do this, it will change your life. All right, let's, uh, let's jump over to verse chapter 7, verse 11. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron. For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. Okay, so let's go down to chapter 8, verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in your mind and I will write them on your hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So again, he's talking about a heavenly sanctuary or a heavenly temple that is you. Now, when you said yes to God, what happened is he, the Holy Spirit, the most incredible miracle, it's, it's a greater miracle. Salvation is a greater miracle than cancer being healed or, or a leg growing out or a spine being uh, miraculously replaced. It is a greater miracle because Christ comes in, 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 in the uh, person of the Holy Spirit and lives on the inside of you and he takes his law and he writes it on your mind and he writes it on your heart. So that now you and Christ have become one and now you can begin to access behind the veil because he is in you and that, that, that veil opens because of who you now are in him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Okay. Order of Melchizedek. Hallelujah. All right. All right. So you have to ask yourself, this is awesome, but how does this work? How does this work? So um, I'm going to draw a picture for you. I'm, I'm not good at drawing pictures, but you'll get the point. All right. So if I'm a priest and a king, what exactly is that going to look like? All right. So we'll make this a girl. Every man. He's talking all the time, right, guys? You're like, are you still talking? I'm trying to go to sleep. No, wait, it's 7 o'clock, you're still talking. Are we having an emotional conversation? Oh my gosh, you're still talking. <laughs> <laughs> right, John? No comment. <laughs> all right. Okay. So. Somebody thought that was funny. Somebody that's about eight years old. Giggle, giggle. All right, so. Uh, Give her heels. She's Southern. All right, so here's how this works. So here you've got your, um, you've got your legislator. So she's going to legislate from, from um, heaven to earth, right? So here's her priesthood, 
Okay. But wait, I left something off. Those are her ears. She's so cute. All right. So here, can you see the line? Okay. This right here is how she operates as a priest. Okay. Okay. So what does a priest do? They go into a place of prayer. No, you don't talk in prayer. You primarily listen. You bring yourself before the Holy of Holies. You bring yourself before the throne of grace. You go into the throne room and you say, okay, what do you think about this, Lord? And how should I do that? And you begin to ask him. And so what he's going to do is he's going to start talking to you. And you may be saying to yourself, but I don't hear God like you hear God. Well, let me just tell you something. I did not start off. I mean, okay, granted, it was all the voice of the Lord. Okay. <laughs> but I'm telling you, in the place of prayer, you know, I had to practice the presence of the Lord. I had to practice listening and hearing and obeying. I had to practice those things. And so the Lord will begin to talk to you as you present yourself to that place. Here's the first thing you do, okay? Number one, you ask the question, just like the disciples did, teach me to pray, okay? Teach me to pray. If you don't know how to pray or you're bored in prayer, I'm telling you, this right here is the most important thing that will ever happen to you in your life. It's not a college degree. Sorry, not a college degree. I'm telling you, if you can get this, your life is made. Because what you've done is you just tapped into the wisdom of the universe. The, the God of all the universe is talking to you and he's telling you what to do and how to do it. Which means you're, you're not going to be unsuccessful. You are not going to lose. You will win this game of life. And you will be successful and you will, you will run and not grow weary. And you'll start to see your answers fulfilled. How many of you have been begging God and not getting answered prayers? Okay, I'm telling you, flat out, you're doing it wrong. God is a God who answers prayers. He's not a God that dangles a carrot in front of us to, to tempt us or to cause us to grow weary. Now, granted, there are wilderness seasons. I understand that. And that's just getting stuff out of us. He just squeezes us, you know, so that, you know, all the, it's like, okay, I won't say popping up. Oh, I just said that. But it's to get the bad stuff out so we can have clear skin. Okay. All right. So the second thing you want to do is you want to ask the question, how do I pray? Okay. So there's a couple of elements with prayer. Number one. You, you have to talk to him about time. You know, you're like, I'm busy. We're all busy. Everybody's busy. That is a common denominator. It is not an excuse. Well, I'm too busy to pray. That's like saying you're too busy to exercise. Yeah, I kind of did that. Keep that dimple healthy. Okay. All right. So the second, so time. Everybody has the same amount of time, which actually isn't true. When you pray, what happens is your time gets multiplied. It's like first fruits. It's like your money. You get first fruits into the kingdom. What happens is everything else gets multiplied. I've seen it happen. It's amazing. God will actually take the sun and hold it still in your life. All right. So the next thing uh, is um, he's going to tell you 
how to pray. When I started praying, he said, I want you to start praying in three-hour segments for a total of 12 hours a week. Okay, I couldn't pray for five minutes when he told me that. I thought I was going to die. I was like, what? Wait, do you want me to take three-hour naps four times a week? <laughs> right? You get what I'm saying, right? You Because know, you get out, your, 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 your soul gets quiet. And you start going, so you're like, oh, yeah, I'm getting tired. You probably need that nap. All right, so here's what happens. You have a soul-spirit exchange. Remember he said, uh, I'm going to divide between soul and spirit. My word, my, I'm going to take a, my sword. It'll divide between soul and spirit. When you go into prayer, what happens is that as you wait on the Lord and you're listening to worship, I like listening to worship. I pray in tongues. You know, I do whatever it takes to kind of generate my spirit, man. It's got to get revved up. Remember David said, oh, soul, worship the Lord. Because, man, your soul doesn't want to do it. Your soul wants to talk to you about what you forgot to do. Oh, you forgot to call that guy. Wait, these are the things you got to get at the grocery store. Oh, you got a party coming up you got to plan for. Wait a minute, you forgot about the graduation ceremony. you got to call that person back. All of a sudden, the laundry list begins to go off in your head about everything that you have to do. So what do you do? You write the laundry list down. It's called a soul flush. you got to do your soul flush because what happens is if you don't flush your soul, your soul's going to be doing all the talking. You don't want that. You want spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection. you got to take your spirit man and plug it in to heaven. Because that soul man is real loud. And I was real loud. I'm not so loud anymore. I mean, I am. My mouth is loud. But my soul is actually not loud anymore. And it's so beautiful because I can tap into the spirit, man, and anywhere I go. I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm in heaven. It's awesome. All right. So laundry list. So, um, so here's a couple of recommendations. Pray in tongues. Listen to worship. Worship is a great way. Here's what worship does. Uh, any kind of music, and it's got to be worship. You know, I wouldn't recommend like Led Zeppelin. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's not gonna work. You be careful who you're listening to because they're writing words that's gonna. Because what happens is, is that uh, 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 the brain barrier, the separation between the right and the left brain, will come down with music. And so it has, a, whatever those words are in that song, it's going to have influence over your brain more so than me just sitting up here talking, which I should probably sing my sermons. Like, who else does that? Is it T.D. Jakes? Who sings her sermon? Kim Clement. Kim Clement, yeah. yeah <laughs> very good. All right, so worship or, um, um, what was the other thing? Tons. Okay, thank you. Thank you for paying attention. Okay. All right, so how do I pray? Now, so here she is with her eyes and her ears. So, so you've kind of done all of this. You know, if God gets to tell you, the Holy Spirit gets to tell you what your schedule is going to look like, Logan. He's going to say, all right, Logan, I realize what your schedule is like. Here's what I want you to do. John, for example, he just wakes up, you know, an hour earlier every day, sometimes more than that. But the Lord gets to set your time. I'm not your Holy Spirit. I remember people who used to go around and they used to ask people like Lou Engle and all these guys like, how many hours a day do you pray? And he's like, uh, until I encounter the Lord, you know? I mean, 
mean, it's the, 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 remember, this isn't religion. This is a relationship. And the more that you do it, the better you'll get at it. And the more that you do it, the more you're going to want to do it. It's like anything else, you know? Okay, then you do this. <clears throat> you listen. You listen and you look. You are looking for what he is doing. You are listening to what he is saying. Now, I would encourage you, this is what I do. You have problems in your life. You've got circumstances, you've got heartaches, you've got situations. It could be, it could be financial, it could be in business, it could be relational, it could, you know, the laundry list, it could be help. You ask him the how, the what, the why, whatever it is you need to ask him, and then you wait. You wait. And you don't do anything until you have seen or you have heard. You do not move on whatever it is you're asking him for. You do not move in your own wisdom. God is not going to build your temple through your wisdom, period. The end of the story. It will not happen. And for this generation, the more you try to build your own house through your own wisdom, you're going to run into a brick wall. Because God is saying, remember, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit in this generation. That's the way that your temple is going to be built. That's the way your life is going to be blessed. He is getting all the credit. He is getting all the glory. Everything will belong to him. Amen. Those people over the last 2,000 years may have been able to get away with it, but not you. But I'll tell you something, that the great cloud of witnesses is looking at you and they're saying, man, we wish that we lived in this time. That we have access to the level of glory that you guys are going to see. Alright, last. Um, this is really important. A lot of you need comfort because you're mourning. You have things that have happened to you, and um, if you would pray, other people don't need to tell you how to live. Because what you need is you need God to come in and comfort your heart and to take your sorrows away. And if you will let him do that, and you'll just go and get real and vulnerable with him, like, hey, man, I've been lying for 20 years, God, and I am so sick of myself, or I'm so sad, or I'm so, this person hurt my feelings, or this person... You know, whatever it is, just take it to the Lord. And what happens is that he's going to give you a different perspective. He's going to talk to you about himself. He's going to talk to you about who you are. And it's going to shift things in your heart so that you can continue to run and be on fire. Because I don't know about you, but it's going to take a lot to get me to stop. And you have to make a decision about this. And I want to talk specifically to the interns that we have. What time is it? It's 8.45. Um, uh, but you've got to make a decision. You know, every single one of us. Ah! Microphone fail. It fell apart. My mind fell apart. We're good. We're good. We're still here. So, okay. So, here's the deal. A lot of us have been through a lot of really bad things. We were sexually molested. We were, um, we were rejected when we were growing up. Our parents didn't talk to us enough or care for us or, you know, the laundry list is long. We were abused, uh, you know. I mean, you, you, and, 
and, and, and as we get further towards the end, the darker is getting darker. And so you've got a huge case of fatherlessness happening because everybody's been so hurt. All right, so, but you have to make a decision. You have to decide. You can't just keep going along going, well, oh, the Lord's going to blah, blah, blah. No, you have to decide. This is the way it's going to be. Because a lot of you have been in a chain of generational iniquity and nightmares that have led you to the place that you are at. And you have to decide that it ends now. And you're going to have to declare war on this nonsense so that you can go forward and be victorious for Christ. Because if you're always picking up your own stuff, how are you going to be advancing the kingdom or bringing healing to the people around you that need to be healed? And so there was a time in my life, I'll tell you a quick story, where I had an epiphany when I was married to the uh, abusive, adultering alcoholic um, who will remain nameless. Um, but I had, an, I had an epiphany that... I married the same guy that my mother and my grandmother married, and I was living the very same life. And if I didn't change and decide to do something else, then my daughters were going to live the very same life. And I may not have loved myself, but I loved my girls. And so I, it took a lot for me to shift things, and I didn't do it in my own strength because, thank the Lord, he saved me in the process, and he did most of the heavy lifting. But I still had to have that determination within me that he's literally going to have to kill me to slow me down. And even then, I still win. Right? So you're going to have to decide who you're going to be. And this is going to be hard. It's not like shopping for shoes at Nordstrom, unfortunately. <laughs> right? Every guy in the room is going, I was. <laughs> um, but it's hard. It's hard to go and to sit in a room and pray to an invisible God because it looks like a complete waste of time. But I'm telling you, it is life, the only place you're going to get life and the only place you're going to get this in Okay, moving on. Are y'all good? Yeah. All right. Now, here we've got the king. All right. So she's. This is. These are your receptors. All right. These are your receptors. Ooh, that's why he gave you two of them and only one of these. Mm -hmm. You'll talk yourself right out of what he said. <laughs> most of you. All right. So this is this is primarily where you're going to do most of your ruling. Okay. You're going to do most of your ruling through what you see and hear. And then when you're saying to him, when he's saying the how, the what, and the why, you begin to speak with shouts of grace, grace. All right? So you begin to speak that out and you begin to say what he says. You're basically a parent. That's why this is not hard. It's easy. Repita. Okay? It's not hard. You just say what he says. And what happens, because it's it's the same, it's the same authority that was
was on Jesus's words is now on your words because they come straight from heaven out of your mouth and they go out and they achieve everything that he has spoken. So let's say you're struggling, you're caught in a pattern of whatever, and you're really having a hard time. So you go to the Lord and you said, okay, I'm not getting any freedom here. I need your help, Lord. I need you to talk to me about this. What do you want me to say about this? What do you want me to declare and decree about this? Okay? So he'll, he'll say to you, okay, um, let's say you're caught up in um, a porn addiction. Okay? Just for example. All right, well, you know, I'm going to the process and I'm going to get help and everything, but I need you to talk to me. I need you to, I need to know what to speak over this. Yeah. And he'll say, um, let's say, I am the righteousness of God and pure in my thoughts and actions. Okay? So that's what he says to you. And you go, well, I don't know if that was the Lord, but it doesn't sound like me. I'm just going to go with it. And so you've got to trust the Holy Spirit more than you trust that it could be you. You know, God is more able to lead you than you are to follow him. And trust me, when you come to him and you begin to say these things, God, I'm submitting myself to you in prayer. I need help. Know, I'm really struggling here. He's going to give you, he's going to talk to you. What do you do with this? See, a lot of people get prophetic words, but they don't know what to do with it. You are going to say what he tells you. You get a prophetic word, you write it down. Why? You turn it into first person. You turn it into I am. Who's on the inside of you? The I am is on the inside of you. You begin to declare that thing over you in first person. And you, what it does is it takes a sword. It's the sword of the Lord, and it begins to stab those demons through. And so your word, and even when you begin to get tempted in it or whatever, you just say, I am the righteousness of God, and I am pure in my thoughts. I am the righteousness yes. of God, and I yes. am pure in my thoughts. Yes. I am the righteousness of God, I am pure in my thoughts. And you take it like you're taking, you say it like you're taking medicine for cancer. Okay? Because the truth is, you're in a battle to, to advance, and you've got to learn how to advance. But we thought we're the church, and we come sit in a room for three hours a week. No! You're the legislative body bringing heaven to earth, and you've got to learn how to wield a sword so that you can take the enemy out, and you can begin to advance the kingdom. Yes. Amen. Amen. Okay, what's another example? Then he'll say to you, here's what I want you to do. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into that boss, and I want you to bake him an apple pie. And you're like, I don't want to bake him an apple pie because he's so mean, and he makes my life miserable. <laughs> and the Lord knows the secrets to his heart. And he's like, I'm going to show you how to bless this man and how to love him. And you're like, I don't know. I'm just thinking I'm going to buy an apple pie. No, 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 no. I want you to go bake him an apple pie. Whatever it is. But, so he's going to tell you the how, the what, the where, the when. And he's going to, but most of all, he's going to tell you what to say. Primarily, you are, if you will learn how to speak, and here's the problem. Most of what you say cancels out the thing that the Lord is wanting to do. You're like, I'm right there. <laughs> and the Lord's like, okay, if you would stop talking, 
<laughs> that I can pray for. Because there's so much power on your words to negate God's promises as much as it is to, to advance God's promises. Because the enemy, and, and let me warn you about sarcasm. You know how funny we are? We're also sarcastic and funny. Ha, 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 ha. The enemy does not know whether it's sarcasm. The enemy will take the word, that negative curse word that you've just spoken of yourself, and he will take it, and it will happen to you. And the angels are just waiting for you to agree with heaven so that they can then, as messengers, take those words and make them happen. Amen? Amen. If you will do this, I guarantee you'll have a turnaround within three months. Okay? This happens, this can happen for healing. This can happen for, and you're like, but that doesn't make any sense because why would I say something that's not true? Okay, here's the truth. There is a difference between truth and fact. The fact is you have no money. The truth is God has all the money in heaven and, and, and he's about to give it to you. So the truth is you have money, it just hasn't arrived yet. Right? And the more you speak that fact, I don't have any money, the more that money ain't showing up. Now, I have called down money from heaven. I can't even count on five. And it just shows up. You know? Why? Because I saw it, and then it came. I saw it, and then it came. Okay. Are you guys good? Yeah. Did everybody get it? Did I miss anything, Matthew? Just some q and Okay, do y'all have any Q&As? Questions? Answers? Questions. <laughs> Melchizedek. You are, you are all priests in the order of Melchizedek. So let me just pray. If you have any questions, you can come up to me later. Well, Father, um, thank you for um, everyone here and everybody watching on Facebook. Father, I just thank you of what you're doing in this last generation on the earth, Father. I thank you that it is a quick work. And I thank you, Father, that as we yield to these things and we begin to operate as priests and kings in the order of Melchizedek, we are truly going to see the government of heaven come down into the earth. I thank you, Father, for this ruling body here tonight, God. I thank you, Father, that they are your legislators. They are your ecclesia. And, Father, that everywhere they go, they will govern and they will rule and and. Everything in their life has to come under the dominion of heaven and under the dominion of your words. And I declare it over you, and you will be perfected in this by the power of the blood of Jesus. Amen.